Welcome to the Church Matters Podcast, where we talk about topics related to the church in a way that honors the church. Thank you for joining the discussion. All right, I've got Dwight Stinnett on the line, Dr. Dwight Stinnett, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you on board today having these conversations. Thank you, Corey. It's good to be here. Yeah. Um, I imagine you'll be a frequent flyer on the show. Um, I actually have a bunch of uh, topics lined up for upcoming episodes, pairing them with names, and your name shows up quite often. I'd be glad to do that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, Well, uh, you have a couple PhDs. Uh, many of our people might not even know about that. Uh, you have a couple PhDs, and, and uh, one of them in particular is kind of what I want to focus in on today, and it's kind of uh, an area of expertise then of yours, having studied in that field. Um, you're also a churchman. You know, you love the church. You've given a lot of your life to serving and ministering, and, and so We'll have some conversations about the church and leadership in in upcoming episodes, but uh, today I really do want to talk to you about that initial PhD that you um, received and then what you did with it after that. But the first thing, uh, before we even jump into the conversation, I was talking to uh, one of our, uh, one of the people from our church, and I was talking about you, and, and I was like, one of the things that I love about Dwight is his humility. And he said uh-huh. to me, I wonder how he got so humble. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> so any, any uh, <laughs> tricks of the trade? Oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess it was just the way I was brought up. I, I, I never, you know, you know, made a big deal out of any of this stuff, and, you know, out of any of the things I've done. And, and certainly, uh, like anybody, I appreciate being recognized and, and, and all that, but I've, I've just, uh, you know, I don't know that I set, consciously set out to, uh, to be that way. It just kind of happened. So, well, so I, 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 I blame my parents, I think, <laughs> my grandparents. Well, they, did, right? <laughs> they did a great job then. They did a great job. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people, especially people who've given so much time and energy and even money to uh, the pursuit of, you know, different academic studies and and those sorts of things. There's usually that um, liability there, pridefulness, you know. And, and I've met some of them, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure you have, yeah. But uh, again, it's just, you know, that part of your temperament, and uh, I, I would imagine it's a big part of your, um, you know, spirituality as well, that it's a result yeah. of what God has been doing in you, but it's definitely noticeable by yeah. myself and others, and it's appreciated. So thanks yeah, for thanks. being so great about that. Um, well, you have a PhD in immunology. I'm not even sure if I'm saying it right, but uh, <laughs> probably out of the gate, you ought to define what that is. And well, then I, I just love to hear, you know, what, sure. what led you to that and what you end up doing with that degree? Well, uh, technically, the degrees in microbiology and, and, okay. and, and immunology was a part of that field you know, 50 years ago when I, when I was coming through. So, so that's just a, a technical part of that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I was uh, interested in science from my earliest days. I, I, I you know, Mr. Wizard and, and Flash Gordon were, were staples for me, and, and, and you may not even know who either one of those are, but they, they were staple TV shows for me. Okay. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, 
you know, later that grew into a more specific uh, fascination and infatuation with life and living things and, and all that. And, uh, you know, you know, the biology then really, you know, I really got fascinated. Uh, I think I was in the third grade. Uh, my parents gave me a, a microscope and a telescope and, uh, uh, a set of books, uh, all about books that were kind of uh, discovery and, and science books and things like that. And, and I really got fascinated with the microscope and all that. And it's just, you know, it just continued from there. And, and I think summer third grade, I got my library card. And, and that was, <laughs> that, that, that really was uh, what set me out of the gate, I think, was, was being able to, to, to roam the library and get things and bring them home. And, and uh, uh, you know, I, I took full advantage of that. Uh, uh, you know, getting ready for college that, uh, you know, shaped up a little bit tighter and, you know, went to university and then, uh, thanks to some great gracious folks uh, in undergraduate studies, they, they got me set up with a graduate school and, and a fellowship and everything and went to the University of Georgia and, and did work there and then uh, to the Medical College of Virginia and then ended up at the University of Cincinnati Medical School. So wow. that's the short of it. So. <laughs> yeah, well, that's super fascinating. I'm sure everyone's kind of scratching their heads going, yeah. wow, this guy. Um, so then what did you, what did you do with that degree? Sure. I, I mostly research, but also teaching. Those two are hard to separate in the university set, setting. And so uh, I taught medical students and I taught graduate students in, in uh, microbiology, but I was the uh, uh, director for the surgical immunology laboratory there. And, and, you know, everybody's like, what in the world is that? Well, we did basically three things. That, that's, that was the group that worked with transplantation. And you got to remember, this was 40 years ago. It was, it was a big deal then. Uh, and uh, did some cancer research. And, but most of my work was around uh, infectious diseases for persons who had been compromised, either because of accidents, uh, like, uh, or injury, like, a, like an accident or a burn or something like that, or, or uh, because of their, their cancer treatments were compromised. But that's mainly what I worked with. So okay. uh, yeah, I did, uh, we did a lot of clinical studies on changes that happen that, that make you more susceptible to those diseases. Uh, uh, we were around when the AIDS first broke out, which was a scary thing for people in the lab, let me tell you, because you know, we had no idea what was happening except that this was all over the place. and. Uh, the the uh, city hospital there at the university was, was an indigent hospital, so these were the very people that, that we were dealing with all the time. So, mm. uh, you know, that was kind of scary, but uh, uh, that was the work I was doing. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, and, you know, that's the reason why it just felt so appropriate to get you yeah. on board as soon as sure. possible, talking about your experience and, um, and how it relates to our present circumstances. Yeah. So, um yeah, I, I guess uh, my next question then has to do with uh, your observations then. You know, I think that people who are trained have an ability to see what others don't. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about how Isaac, one of the guys from our church, he has a film company. So when yeah. he watches the podcast, he'll notice audio things and you yeah. know, video things that we could be doing better. And most of 
most of us wouldn't notice, you know, sure. but, uh, that, that's just a part of what it means to be trained in that field. you you, you see things right. that others don't. And a lot of people right now are kind of the armchair experts. They're reading the articles and, you know, tracking with this thing and sure. listening to the voices that they most appreciate. Um, and everyone's kind of forming their opinion. But but I just wanted to make sure that we kind of created a space for you to share a little sure. bit about, you know, obviously you've been out of it for a while now, but you still have that background. And I think yeah. that situates you a little better than most of us to interpret what's really going on. So what are sure. what are some of your observations given the the pandemic right now? What are you right. Well I, I think the first thing it was is is I'm amazed uh and, and uh, happy at how quickly we were able to identify some certain some some key things about this disease you know when, when you contrast it with the AIDS thing that I mentioned a few a few minutes ago you know it took us forever just to figure out what was going on and then once we finally got the virus you know you know you know it took longer to figure out what could you do with things this really in, in, in a matter of months you know you, you knew exactly the virus that was causing it they had the full genetic map of the virus and and just all kinds of things and uh, the the papers I'm seeing now and 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 reading, you know, they're doing things in weeks that would have taken us months to do uh, 40 years ago, and, and that's just amazing to me to to, to see that happening. Uh, but the questions that come out of this, and, and and some of these have been answered as we've moved along with this, but but early on was the question about contagion and and how and and the the disease, and you know you know. You know how does it spread from one person to another? I think we've got that pretty good now. That 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 is, that is the droplets in the air, and and most people don't make the distinction between being airborne and being droplets. But it it's it does make an important difference. That you know the droplets are you know are, are you know moisture particles, and the good news about that is that's easily stopped by a mask or putting a handkerchief over your face when you when you sneeze or cough. And, you know, truly airborne uh, particles are going to hang in the air a long time, uh, but those droplets are going to fall down so they don't stay around long. And that's why that six foot rule is, yeah, it's not going to get out much farther than that unless you really are downwind uh, of a stiff breeze on something. So, so the contagion was an important piece. I, I think uh, the, the uh, thing that's, uh, and that seems clear, but the thing that's troubling right now is, is uh, uh, how long are people contagious and being contagious without showing symptoms, what we call asymptomatic. Now that's scary. Uh, I mean, that, to know that somebody for a week can be carrying this virus and infecting others and not even know they're sick. Uh, you know, that's really a scary thing. And, and uh, uh, I don't think we've quite settled that out yet. Now, it's, it seems like the more work they do, the more it turns up, boy, there are people that don't even know they've got this thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, there are definitely individual differences in terms of who is most susceptible to it. Uh, and, and you've seen those, and, and, and that's what's uh, troubling and, and very concerning, is how contagious is it. The, the second thing would be uh, about the immunity itself. We still don't know if people who have had this are immune afterwards. Mm. Now, we presume they are, uh, but we don't know that for sure, uh, and, and we don't know that uh, 
it's uh, permanent immunity, if there is immunity. Uh, there are some reports about relapses and about recurrences, which is scary, which means, you know, somebody can get it again. Mm. Uh, is it possible that, that uh, people can develop a, 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 an asymptomatic carrier state? which means you know, they're always carrying this virus. And you know, the famous example of that is typhoid Mary. Uh, you know, she didn't have the symptoms of the disease uh, of, of typhoid, but, but uh, gave it to everybody she was with, a food worker. Uh, you know, those kinds of things are scary. Uh, and, and so we don't know that for sure yet. And I don't say that to alarm people. That's one of the questions we, we've got to answer is, is whether or not people do go and move into a carrier state. Uh, Another thing is to uh, not be too quick about placing blame on this. In this case with China, we do it with African Ebola. You know, what's happening is that uh, as there are more and more people and as more and more habit, animal habitats are being destroyed and encroached on, there's more interactions between people and, and wild animals uh, than is normally the case in the 20th century. Uh, and, and we come into contact with animals that, you know, we would rarely ever see. Uh, and so the possibility of, of viruses or diseases of all kinds jumping across there is scary. And, and yeah, there's some hot spots like some of the isolated areas of China, like Africa, uh, like the Amazon basin, but it's happening here too. And, and, and just to give you a silly example, how many coyotes do you have come through your backyard? Quite a few. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, so, so that's, that's happening every place now, uh, you know, and, and because of climate change, animals are moving north and insects are moving north. You know, my, my mom has armadillos in her life. We never had armadillos when I was growing up. <laughs> okay, wow. uh, but so, so, you know, that kind of thing is happening every place. And so as animals get displaced and come into closer contact with humans, we're going to see more of this, I'm afraid. Uh, and, 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 you know, again, not to scare people, but to say, you know, this is not because of those dumb people in China, it can happen any place because we come into contact with animals. Uh, so, uh, and, and, and the larger question is, we really haven't had anything like this in this country since the uh, polio epidemics of the 40s and the 50s. And so, uh, you know, I remember the, the first polio vaccine, but and but that's about it. My my mom and her age, you know, those folks remember the, those things, mm. and and so, you know, my generation and the generation after really don't have any sense of of what public health is all about and 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 what responses are to these things, and and so you you hear some crazy things going on with that, and and uh, you know it's. You know, you know, hopefully we'll get a better handle on what public health is all about and how, how our responsibility plays into that. And, you know, I can remember as a kid uh, having uh, the, these hygiene classes and health class. That, you know, I'm not sure they do that anymore, but, you know, how to wash your hands and, and, and cover up when you sneeze. I mean, simple stuff like that that we're having to relearn now. Why, right. should, why should the evening news have to talk about using a handkerchief? I mean, <laughs> Yeah, Ash, being a healthcare worker, being a nurse, we've been talking a lot about about yeah. uh, one of the outcomes of this is just an awareness, you know. Yeah. 
you know, even when you have a cold or any symptoms, you know, a lot of times people are dismissive of that and continue to work and continue to come into close contact with other people. We're not great at washing hands or, you know, just (laughs) thinking about those things that a nurse like my wife is thinking about constantly, you know? So I think, yeah, maybe an outcome from this uh, will be just a greater awareness of uh, the transmission of of, of different things and how we can prevent that. Yeah, that's a good thing. Um, You know, this is kind of one of those moments where I feel like leadership is a big deal. I know we'll talk about it in upcoming episodes together, but um, you know, it's one of those moments where leaders are having to make really hard decisions without all the information. Yeah. And, um, and it feels like there are different perspectives based off of the experts that you're dealing with. So, you know, people in the healthcare industry would have a perspective and they would have recommendations given their area of expertise. And then you've got economists who want to get things going again and they're concerned about the repercussions of, you know, the economy and how that will affect people and um, social workers concerned with isolation and and, uh, the ramifications of mental health and things like that. And and so leaders are having to make some very complex decisions right now. And uh, you really can't, please everybody. So what, what are your thoughts on the effectiveness of, you know, stay at home and social distancing and these sorts of things? I mean, how are you kind of uh, assessing that, that reality that we're living in right now and, and yeah. how do you feel about it? Well, it, it's one of those things where, you, where you, at least I, I detect mixed pictures on the things. Uh, uh, among our neighbors in our neighborhood, it looks like to me that, that that people are doing a pretty fair job of, of, of trying to, to pay attention to that. Uh, when we go out to the grocery, boy, you can tell the difference on the traffic. I mean, it's just, it really is a, a, a major thing. And, and yet you can see some on TV, so, you know, the, the beaches in Florida say, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, stuff like that, you know, give people nightmares. But so, yeah, I, I think it's pretty mixed. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and I think there is an age thing with it too. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty easy for us. Uh, you know, if, if you're younger and got kids and you know, that, that's, that's gotta be harder. And, and if you're younger and got kids and got a job, that's not essential. It really is hard now. You know, you know, how, how do you work that out? And I, you know, you know I, I, I think, uh, our government don't want to get too political about it, but our government's not done a good job about uh, helping with that yet. I don't think, and, and we're so far behind the curve. You know, yeah, I know. You know, all the financial advisors say everybody's supposed to have six months in the saving to live, and that's you and I both know that's not true. <laughs> yeah, that'd be wonderful if everyone did have. Yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't happen. I mean, you know, you know anywhere from thirty to forty percent of Americans live from paycheck to paycheck. Uh, and, and so, yeah, missing one or two is a big deal. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I think it's got to be hard for them, but yet uh, you can't just decide to go back on your own. I mean, if, if, the, comp- if the plant or wherever it is you're working is not running, you know, it, it's not your choice anymore. So I, I think that's a tough situation. I, uh, it, so, so each of us is different and our circumstances are different and our responses to it are no no surprise or different. Uh, But do you think uh, there's an effectiveness? I mean, you already mentioned the droplets and, you know, six, six feet is a big deal because they're not going to 
and hang in yeah. the air and right. wearing right. mask and those sorts of things. But you think this is uh, the right the right call to help with the mitigation of the spread right now? Yeah, I think it is. You know, at at this point in time, it is the easiest thing for us to do is to just try to avoid each other and, and keep space between us. I mean. You know, sometimes we act like that's a big deal, but it's really not that difficult. It takes a little bit of attention, uh, but, but uh, you know, I do think it's the right thing. You know, some people don't understand, you know, what the consequences or what the purpose of that is. It, it may not necessarily change the total number of infections or the total number of diseases. The point is to cut, get that peak down so that we're not going above the, the uh, capacity of hospitals mm -hmm. uh, and you know I, I think the report I saw yesterday said like uh, in the state of Illinois uh, the ICUs statewide are at 70 percent capacity right now now you got to remember that's the whole state that includes downstate mm -hmm. uh, so that means there are places where the ICU is pretty much at capacity right now sure probably uh, and, Chicago and some right exactly spots so, so uh, uh, the, the whole point of this is, is to slow down, to get that peak down so that it can be managed uh, by the medical profession. Uh, and the other thing is by stretching it out, it gives us more gives them more time to figure out uh, treatments for it. Uh, even, if it's, even if it's a year before we get a, a chemical to treat it, even if it's a year before we get a vaccine to treat it, the, the doctors and nurses are going to be learning how to treat this in the emergency room and in the hospital more quickly. And so what's going to happen, deaths are going to go down, the death rate's going to go down because they're going to get more effective at treating. When it first came out, nobody knew what to do. Uh, yeah. You know, people stop breathing, and you put them on a ventilator. Well, that's okay for a little while, but the longer you're on a ventilator, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, the longer you're on a ventilator, the worse it gets. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and you start talking about keeping people on a ventilator 10 days, 14 days, uh, you know, that, that's not a good sign. <laughs> uh, so, so, so learning how to manage the disease is, is going to get better too. So, so, so stretching it out cuts down on, on, the, on the hospital capacity needs and also gives more time for them to learn how better to treat the disease, even in the absence of specific uh, uh, chemicals or, or vaccine to treat it with. Okay. Yeah, well, I appreciate, you know, you lending some of your expertise to this conversation, because mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of us are just kind of fumbling through this and trying to interpret what we're hearing. And, you know, we're, we're even questioning sure. journalism in moments like this and the reliability <laughs> of, you know, sources and things sure. like that. So it's kind of nice to have a, a resident expert well. <laughs> that we know and love and we know has our best interest in mind. So I appreciate you talking to us about these things. Well, let's, let's move now to, you know, speaking to our listeners and just trying to help them process this. So what are some yeah. of the potential blessings coming out of this? I mean, it's easy to enumerate all the things that are challenging right now and sure. just, you know, devastating in some cases, but yeah. what do you suppose some yeah. of the uh, blessings might be going through something like this? Well, I, I think in, if you look at the biblical narrative of things like that, you know, uh, crises like this uh, are, are kind of like wake-up calls for God's people. Uh, and, and I and I'm not saying that God sent this to 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 to, to do that, but I'm, God uses everything. I think, mm 
you know, you know that, that's that's my belief anyhow. And, and I I think if we allow God to work in us, it, it, this can be a wake up call to us. You know, uh, <clears throat> uh, th there's more to my life than what I've been doing with this thing. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, you know, I've got people I care about that I haven't paid much attention to, or kind of take for granted, or neglect sometimes. And 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 uh, you know, I've acted like. Uh, job is all there is and and maybe it's a call saying you know you need to back up and take a breath and take a look around and and uh i'm not sure it's all bad to be stuck in home for a while <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. uh, i mean you can use it constructively to, to to think about those things and to meditate so i i think that's one of the good things uh you know you know learning not to take folks for granted around us that that you know you know you know, life is a precious gift and it's not guaranteed to anybody uh and 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 it can be gone pretty quickly um yeah. and, and 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 the tough lesson of you know of, of learning that you know we are entangled in a world uh it's it's not just me and mine i like i'm i might like to talk about being an individual and taking care of myself and and all that but the truth is you know it's not just my house and it's not just across the street and it's not just the next state over it's halfway around the world and mm -hmm. and uh we may not like it sometimes but we're in the middle of it and, and yeah we need to in, in the context in, in that context need to be reminded that uh, you know, God loves the world. You know, the Greek word there in that, that John 3.16 is cosmos. You know, yeah, we learn that God so loved Dwight. Yeah, that's true, but <laughs> I'm not all there is to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, th 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 this whole expanse of the, of the cosmos from one end to the other, God loves. I mean, we, we can't wrap our heads around that sometime. We need to be reminded of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. And I think, um, I think, yeah, the, the opportunities that we have in this moment for people to really evaluate and reprioritize, you know, it's yeah. just one of those wake up calls. And uh, I hope many people are, are experiencing what you're describing of learning to care for our loved ones and yeah. learning to care for the world that yeah. God so loved, you know, yeah. I think that's wonderful. How about um, negatives? You know, as we we were yeah. talking, and you know, one of the things I I am really concerned with is just an unchristian spirit in the hearts yeah. of believers, and it's yeah. a moment where there's criticism and people are getting judgmental yeah. and and harsh and bitter, and so very, very I, harsh. Yeah. I, I worry about that. But yeah. what are some of the the potential downsides to all of this? Well, yeah, I I. I, I I, I think that harshness and judgmentalism about others, it really is a scary thing. Yeah, you know, I've seen, and I expect you've seen some of the same, same things too, too, that, you know, the, the, the unabashed, this is God's judgment about things and, 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 and somebody, you know, for whatever reason, you know, you, you find a dozen different reasons that this is God's judgment on things. And I, yeah, I, I kind of cringe at that or, 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 or well-intended folks to say, don't worry, God's got this. Yes, God's got this, but do you stop and think what that says to the person who just lost a loved one over this. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> we need a more robust understanding of what it means when you say God's got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, and we, we just kind of breeze over that sometimes. And, 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 you know, that, that I, I, I love that, uh, 
scene from Daniel in, in the fiery furnace, you know, or before they go into the furnace, when, when, when the three boys say, you know, God's able to, but you know what? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I yeah, mean, even if he doesn't. We're, that's we're right. That, that has him. to be one of the greatest confessions in all scripture is, is I think God's able, but I don't care. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to worry about it. Oh, uh, I really hope a lot of Christians come uh, to embrace that kind of robust yeah, theology yeah, it, and it, some of the trite really, sayings drop away. Yeah. Oh yes, we we just you know we we flip those things out and, and we don't even understand sometimes you know that cuts to the heart of some people and things. Mm -hmm. So you're saying God doesn't love me, or God didn't love my kid? I mean, what what is that all about? That's that's bad stuff to be throwing around. So I so I, I worry about that. I. Uh, yeah, I, I think related to that and probably driving behind it, driving it is this lingering fear and mistrust of others and other uh, 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 people unlike us. And, and I, you know, that was already growing in our society. And, and I, you know, I, uh, you know, I hope we can get past that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. I hope we can learn to see beyond our differences and our different yeah. opinions on things and, yeah. and come to uh, be more gracious and compassionate yeah. toward others in general right well um i feel like we need to wrap this up so let's, okay. <laughs> um, let's turn our attention to uh some advice that you would give to our listeners you know what are oh, some gosh. of the you know parting words what what would you suggest to people who are tuning in yeah I, well i i i think that uh, th this is a reason for concern and caution uh, but not craziness. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, I, I, I think it's 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 a, a reason and an opportunity to to demonstrate care for ourselves and for others. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a time to demonstrate uh, true confidence in God uh, and, and to share uh, the compassion that we ought to have uh, in Jesus Christ with others. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it really is a challenge for us. Uh, I, I, I think uh, uh, folks need to be attentive to the possibility that, that God may be challenging the church to do something in a different way than we've done for a long time now. Hmm. Uh, you know, I don't pretend to see what that is, and, and, and my time's about done, and I don't have to worry about it. But, but I, you know, it's it's becoming increasingly clear that that you know things in the 70s shifted and it was not like it was in, in the 50s and 60s and and, and uh, you know the work of a pastor has changed so dramatically over that and and people's expectations have changed so much over that and and the models that we've got uh yeah we we just got to reflect on some of that and what that's all about yeah, I'm excited. You know, I, yeah. you and I have talked and, and uh, I guess what, what I'm really excited about is the potential of coming out of this with new, clear convictions of what yeah. needs to be and do moving yeah. into this new season. And, and I yeah. think that'll be a, a good thing. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's another conversation that you and I will get. Sure it is. Lord really. willing, you know. Yeah, I, I, there was a, a a great meme going around on on Facebook, and generally I don't like them, but I I, I like this one. That, you know, right before Easter, that 
you know, when, when it was clear that most churches were not going to, to gather the way we normally had. Probably the first Easter, I've not been in church in my life. I can't mm-hmm. remember another. Maybe wow. when I was in the service, but I can't, <laughs> I can't remember for sure. Any, anyhow, the, the, the meme was, the church isn't closed, we're on mission. And, oh, that, wow. and, and that's really what it's all about. I, I mean, I, I know this has been the drive for the last 15 years. And as you say at the end of the service, you know, we're being sent. That really is what the church is all about. It's not about the gathering on Sunday morning for worship. Yeah, that's a great party, and we need to enjoy that. But, but, but being a Christian and being the church is, is out there in the world that God loves. Yeah, and that's where we're, people are right now. <laughs> yeah, in the world, trying to figure this thing out. And yeah, I'm glad you're able to help uh, speak into that and help people process it. Dwight, sure. I mean, this has been a pleasure to talk to you about these sure. things and, and um, even to hear more about, you know, aspects of your experience and your background that, um, you know, you and I haven't spent a ton of time talking about, but it's just fun to kind of hear yeah. that world that you were living in for that season before your call to ministry. And, um, and yeah, uh, I'm excited uh, to have more conversations with you. So sure. I'm looking forward to the next time we do this and the many times after that as a frequent flyer on the show. Um, I appreciate you you uh, sure. speaking into this and I'm sure our people are helped by this conversation. So thanks for being a part of this, Dwight. Glad and to. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, Dwight. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening in. Please like and subscribe to this podcast in order to receive notifications for upcoming episodes. If you've benefited from listening, we'd appreciate you taking a moment to rate and review the podcast. We'd also love it if you shared this with a friend. Until next time, may the manifold wisdom of God be made known through the church.